Wow. <laughs> what a blessing. It's not over till you say it's over. You are faithful, God, you're faithful. The cross is all the confidence I need. Your love won't give up on me. You never make a promise you don't keep. Your love won't give up on me. Nothing that I want. Nothing I want that your love doesn't offer. Nothing I've done that your grace won't cover. It's not over till you say so. You are faithful.
is all the confidence I need. Your love won't give up on me. You never made a promise you don't keep. Your love won't give up on me. Father, thank you for this session. Lead us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I see we have Pastor Jonathan Banwari with us tonight. Amen. It's good to have you. Amen. Wonderful. So we're looking at um, sacrifice and the 1,000 micro churches, isn't it? Yeah, we are saying that Jesus said he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are saying that we are not happy and satisfied with the number of churches we've been able to plant. And so we are challenging ourselves with 1,000 micro churches. A micro church is a church with a maximum attendance of 100. And a mega church is a church with 1,000 plus. So, all that we are saying is, don't worry about 1,000 plus. Just do one with 100 and below. And we'll be happy with you. Amen. Is it a good idea? And to be able to do this, we're looking at sacrifice. We need to be sacrificial when it comes to building the 1,000 micro churches. And so, we look at Romans chapter 12. I think we've been there for quite a while now. The Lord has kept us there for a while. I think it's for a reason. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says that for... Um, Romans chapter 12? Hey, which reason was that? <laughs> I beseech you, therefore, uh, brethren, isn't it? By the mercies of God, uh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And I was saying that it's a very interesting uh, tool a letter words because you, you never have a sacrifice that is living. Every sacrifice dies. If you look at um, the Older Testament, the Old Testament, even Jesus who sacrificed his life, he died. Except that he had the power to come back to life. So when the Bible says that we must be living sacrifices, it's a very, very fantastic uh, requirement and, and, and encouragement we are being encouraged to. And he says that holy, acceptable, not to you, but to God. And God's standards are very high. Because even in the Old Testament, if you were going to sacrifice any animal, he talks about an animal without spot or blemish. You can't just bring some goat you don't like in your house. One eye goat. Some sheep that has been disturbing the other sheep for a long time. You want to, you want to, you want to get rid of the sheep. So he said, this year, that sheep is going out as a sacrifice. No, it must be the best. That's why we believe that in your younger days, you should be a man or you should be a pastor. 
You believe that after CXC, one of the things you should do is that you should go to seminary and become a pastor. Just as people are becoming lawyers and doctors, the pro- preaching is also another profession. It's an honorable vocation that people must give themselves to. The Bible says, remember thy creator in the days not when you are old. Then arthritis have taken over your right leg. And sugar. And salt. And pepper. And you can't move around. No, God also wants people who are younger and energetic to give themselves to him and to his ministry. You get it? The Bible says it is a reasonable service. It is just reasonable. If you see what God has done for you. Isn't it? Light of the world. You stepped out into darkness. You opened my eyes and let me see. Beauty that made this heart adorn. And hope of a life spent with me. I'll never know how much it costs. The cost is you can't you see this is not buying a vehicle for from Akbar. That when you go, they say this is 2.2 million dollars. The blood that was shed, the sacrifice that was made, the price we will never know the price. And because of that, it is just a reasonable service to also continue to do something in response to the love. Are you with me? And to be able to do that, we, we must not be conformed to this world. That we must be renewed. We must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that's where I think we, we stayed for a little while, isn't it? Because, like I said, as for the church, we, we love everybody. Whether you're a sinner, uh, whether you're a dangle, whether you're a pimp, whatever you are, we love you in the church. But you have to understand that the Bible does not encourage a certain lifestyle. That is up to you to decide to get out of and repent about. But me, your pastor, I will love you. That's my command. The Bible said I should cover sins uh, with a, uh, love. I should use love to cover a multitude of sins. So I will not say, oh, you are this, you are that, you are that. No, 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 no. I will love you, but you should know that the reasonableness in your service to God does not make you want to conform to the world. And everything we brought to judgment on that day when we meet him. And so, the conformation to the world is something that will not let the verse 1 really work. And you are transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I thank God that, like I said in the uh, afternoon session, a few people are responding to things because the minds have not been renewed and so the things that are acceptable, we are not able to accept them. When I asked a 13-year-old boy whether he will marry somebody of another race, he said, nah. So, so 13 years old. And I started preaching like a, a Guyanese pastor when he said that. <laughs> because how does a, what does a 13-year-old boy know about marriage? that already in his mind, there are some people who don't qualify. And that is how we have grown up. We have grown up with things, we have grown up with cobwebs. And so, as we are in the Lord, 
we are serving the Lord with things in our heads. Like, as I have come around from Africa, I mean, of course, I didn't come from Africa, but I'm African. People already see you and they see you are from Africa. So, and they, they, they put you on the side. And so, when the mind is not renewed, the things that are acceptable to God and that are acceptable into your life, you refuse them because your mind is not renewed. And if we are going to go out and plant churches and build churches, you will have to have a certain mindset. Like, like I was telling you, how we even ended up here in Haruni this weekend. Because when we are doing camps, our camps are very high level. <laughs> our camps are Marriott Hotel type of setup. You know, we, we go to fancy places with fancy halls and all of that. And it has been a struggle for a while. Until I realized, actually, but we are Guyanese. Guyanese camp is, is, is bush, it's highway. So let's go to highway. Then we say, oh, Aruni is there. Let's try and find out if it's available. And that's how we are here. This is the moment that our mind began to work in a certain way. For months that we are looking for a venue, we managed to get a place to come. In the same way in your life, if you are not willing to renew your mind and open it up, what God has for you, you will not receive it. I said that maybe what God's plan for you is that you marry somebody who is 40 years older than you. Yeah. Maybe you are 40. Your husband is 60 years old. He's dead and he's just about to dead. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you see, all your life, all your life, you have told yourself you never marry somebody who's older than you. So, when God brings somebody like that, then it's like, nah, Bishop, I've been praying about it. I'm not hearing the voice of God. <laughs> it is because the mind is not renewed. And so, when you look at it, all of us have grown up with things in our heads. Some people think when you start a church, it means that you're looking for money. Some people think like that. People say that all the, all the time. When, when the Lord was moving this afternoon, people were crying and people were falling and all of that. There was a young boy, when I went close to him, he said, yeah. Because his mindset is that I'm doing something bad to the people. And he wondered. At his age, and a girl too. I said, I'm going to pray for me. Oh, don't, don't, don't pray for me. Can you imagine somebody refusing prayer at the age of 15 years old? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so it tells you that people like this, that's why I say that in our, in our culture, we, we are afraid of the obia man than the pastor. When you say you're a pastor, people don't, people don't mind who you. But if you say you're an obia man, you see how people. So one day in our meeting, I said that you imagine that all of us are witches and wizards. And I'm a wizard, chief wizard from Africa. Can you imagine the havoc we will cause on the highway tonight? Every truck that passes on the highway tonight will, will, will have to crash another vehicle. We will drink blood, blood, blood upon blood before we leave here. 
But if he said that the bishop came here with a few Christians, hundred and something Christians, it, there's nothing impressive about it. And it is because of the subject that we want to talk about, sacrifice. Because sacrifice has the ability to release power. Jesus has been given a name that is exalted about Rabina because of the death, the death he died. That's what it is. And so, the things that we have not been able to get rid of, it doesn't make us powerful. Are you there with me? Or you've gone home? Have you gone home already? It's tomorrow we are going home, not today. I'm saying that the things that we are not able to give up, it is these same things that don't make us as a church powerful. Because the Obia people and these people, they are doing their things. They are doing their things. People are selling in the market with all kinds of charms. People are walking on the road, doing business with all kinds of, I mean, Evil things. Then we are walking around as, as, as people. Even Bible, you don't have one. And if you have it, you don't even read it. There's no power. When somebody sees you, they don't see somebody who has power. They see a brother. They see a sister. They can easily say something bad about you. Because there's no power that comes from you. And that is the reason, that is the situation because... We do not give up the comfort and the things that we are attached to. So the definition of sacrifice, if, if, if Maxwell will bring it up. Sacrifice means to offer up your material possessions to God for worship. The church in the book of Acts, and you see it. I think Pastor Jonathan was telling me some time ago how when they go to plant churches on the highway, people offer lands. You see, those of us in Georgetown, in this place, we don't offer lands. We grab lands. I should give my land to the church. Somebody got to be crazy. But that is why there is no power. Because sacrifice releases power. Why do you think the devils and the demons and the witches, why do you think they like killing people? Like, look at it. Sunday morning, for those of you who know, Sunday morning, on the Canal Number 2 Road, where our church is located, nice, quiet Sunday morning, four people die on a normal road. A road that we've been plying for three years. Straight road. The only thing they are doing is that they are just uh, um, re, 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 reconstructing the road. So they have a lot of gravels or crash and run on it. Small part. The road is good. Now from nowhere, a, 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 two teenagers and a couple driving Sunday morning, drive their car into a wall, and four of them die. Just like that. Then the night before we left, the Lord spoke to me that the people who are leaving the church compound with me, I should, I should lead them, I should follow them. Everybody should, should drive behind me and watch whatever I do. So for the first time in many, many years, or the first time in our lives, when I got off the Good Shepherd Bridge, it's Good Shepherd Bridge. <laughs> we should write it on the bridge. I stopped at the bus shed. 
and everybody was behind me. I went to the driver and said, follow me. Just watch whatever I do. Because the Lord spoke to me that there were traps on the road before Stanley Town. You see, these people are not joking. We are the ones who are joking. I said, we are the ones who are joking. The evil world, they don't joke. They are killing people every day. And the, 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 anytime they kill people and blood is shed, they, 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 they receive power. So sacrifice is to offer up your material possessions, the things that people are fighting for. God will want us to give it up for his kingdom. That's sacrifice. Number two, to surrender something prized like your child father. <laughs> Who has been troubling you all your life? Who's not been giving your children money? beating you and coughing you and all of that. It's not bold enough to even take you to the altar for nothing. You are taking legs. Yeah, you become a punching bag. And then when you come to church, you say, it's not over till you say so. You are faithful. God, you are faithful. You try there. You try right there. Try right there. <laughs> Try right there. You are giving him more time. Because it is so prized that you don't want to give him or her up. That's what it is. We, we, in, in our churches, uh, uh, let me tell you, in our churches, people live normal lives. Devotion is, is not a very major ingredient in our churches. You want to be comfortable and come to church and be happy. In fact, people come to the church for benefits. Yeah, no, people come to the church for food, for help, for money. For, this is, yeah. People, you remember, so, some, people came, some people came to our church the, some uh, time ago. They said, our church is a hungry belly church. Because when they came, they didn't get no food to eat. <laughs> they never came back. Because some way, somehow, people are made to think that when you give your life to Christ, then you prosper. No, you don't prosper from the start like that. Yeah, no, it's not automatic. So to surrender something prized or desirable for the sake of something higher, and then that's, that's the definition I want us to look at. For the sake of something higher, to permit injury or disadvantage for the sake of something else. So the something higher that sacrifice brings is power. Somebody say power. Do you want to be a powerful Christian? Oh, sacrifice is the key to it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, I've been trying to start this, this part. It's not been working. But I think we're going to make progress now. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. To us 
which are saved. It is the power of God. What is the power of God? The preaching that Jesus came, he lived, he preached, and he died on a cross. The initial message of the disciples was about the resurrection of the, from the dead. That Jesus that they knew he died and he rose again. That was, that was the main thing. There was, there was nothing like anything. That Jesus. So Peter said in Acts chapter 4, he said, he told us, uh, the Pharisees, he said, you, you, Sanhedrin, he said, you, you <laughs> judge whether we should listen to you or, or what? Listen to God. Because we walked with him. We saw him die. He was crucified. He was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. He rose again. You want to tell me to shut my mouth? You can't tell me to shut my mouth. Me mother dead and me mother come back to life. You want to tell me that I shouldn't say that my mother died and he came back? You can't prevent me from saying that. Because I, I, I know myself and I know what I've seen and I want to talk about that. The problem with us is that we have, never, we have not experienced the power of his resurrection. We have not experienced the change that has the power, the potency to be shared. It's like there's nothing to share. The preaching of the cross. The preaching of the cross is foolishness. That is why real, real salvation messages, people don't appreciate it. People like... 21 days of this nonsense must stop. And you say, oh, crusade. Jesus, the same yesterday to them forever. They say, what's that? You don't appreciate it. The cross, the preaching of the cross. What is the cross? It's suffering. That is why I was telling you, was it yesterday, that I heard a preacher say that he gets offended when he sees people... Um, array themselves in crosses. So you have a necklace of a cross, your earring is a cross. He says that he finds it very offensive because Jesus didn't uh, 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 use the cross as an accessory. He died on it. He was crucified on it. He was naked on it. He was rejected on it. He was disgraced on it. Now we in Matthew 16, 24, the Bible says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. But we don't want to be disgraced for the church's sake. We don't want to suffer for the church's sake. We don't want to punish for the church's sake. If you go to a church where you suffer small or something small, you left in the church. You want a church that will give you something that will benefit you. But the Bible says that the cross, the preaching of suffering losing, uh, uh, dying. That preaching is the power of God to those who are saved. It is the power of God. That which changes lives. Yeah. Unto us which are saved. It is the power of God. The only thing that brought us from darkness into light is that Jesus died and rose again. Do you believe it? Do you accept it? Do you have faith in it? And when we said yes, it is that preaching, that message of Jesus dying, that is what has changed our destiny from hell to heaven. That is the power. Prison can't save anybody. 
Drugs can't save anybody. No matter the social programs we have, you cannot be saved by that. What saves a person is the preaching of Jesus came. He lived, he died, and he rose again. That is the message. It sounds so simple. I remember one day I went to a domestic violence seminar. And these social, social, sociology people, they like those things. And when I sat down, I heard all the presentations they were making. I said to myself, I came here to waste my time. If only these people would give us money to do crusades, we would save the country. Men who are beating women will stop. Because when Jesus touches your life, I said, when Jesus touches your life, you learn to respect another human being. It is, it is foolishness. It is foolishness. If you, if you, if you, that's why, that is why preaching is not taken to a very high level in our society. And I've told you, all these years, 18, 19 years that I've been with you, I've been telling you that I have not yet seen the church in its power where a major preacher comes to the country and takes a stadium. It's only rubbish we see in our stadiums. When was the last time you got a major worldwide preacher? That came and he's at Providence Stadium. It's, it's, what, what were they doing the other day? Yeah. Building Expo. All kinds of things go on. Then you see Splash Ming, some dance hall people come. Then the best we'll get is a singer. We'll get a Josh McDowell or Tasha Cobbs. who we will go and, and we'll take them to go and meet the president. They are like, it's like, it, they are so big and important. I don't remember the last time. I've been here for almost 19 years. I've not seen uh, the last time Benny Hinn was here. When was the last time Benny Hinn was here? I've not seen a T.D. Jakes. I've not seen a Joel Osteen. I've not seen a Dougie Ward Mills in a certain setup. Men of God who can walk into a country and change the atmosphere of the country. We don't see such things around. Because preaching is not taken serious. He's not taking serious. But the Bible says that if you want power, it is the cross. It is the preaching of the cross. And the cross is a symbol of giving up your majesty. The Bible says he did, he did not think it robbery to be equal with God. But he put that aside and he came down. And he died. You see, he was smitting. He was smitting. He was, he was, <laughs> he was what? He was giving up. Jesus was disgraced. He was like a sheep led to the slaughter. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. The cross is never a pleasant place to be, a pleasant thing to have. But that is what releases power. Can you imagine? I will never forget the account. I think it's, uh, I don't know whether it's Matthew or Luke. Where on the resurrection Sunday, when Pilate was convinced by the chief priests and the Pharisees to mount a guard 
continuously on Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Because they said they heard that the man said when he dies, he'll get back to life. So they should put, you see, it's like, it's so, it's so foolish. It's so normal. that somebody says they will rise again from the dead. So you have taken soldiers to go and guard the tomb. And so they were there. Roman soldiers with helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, with swords and shields of faith and all kinds of things. They were there marching back and forth around the tomb of Jesus Christ. Then the Bible says that early in the morning, there was an earthquake. Then the angel of the Lord descended and the stone that was rolled to the entrance to seal the entrance of the tomb, which had the seal of Pilate, it was rolled away by itself. And the Bible says the soldiers, they began to poo-poo and weep on themselves. That is it. They were as dead men. Angel sat on the stone and he crossed his legs. He was drinking coconut water. <laughs> what had happened was that somebody who was proven dead on the cross and taking up the cross and put and placed in the tomb. He was not in the tomb anymore. The soldiers couldn't give account of how or where the body or the person in the tomb, where he is. That was the beginning of power. Jesus said, I will lay down my life and after three days, I will take it up. This is the power. The giving up of his kingdom, coming down to earth, living and dying among us, and then rising from the dead. That is the source of power. And if we will also emulate Jesus Christ, we will also give up things for a higher cause, we will see power released. I am saying that many of the, the, the lack of fruitfulness, the lack of fruitfulness in our church and in, in our efforts to plant churches around, it is because we are entangled with things we don't want to give up. Can you imagine if Jesus didn't get, uh, uh, lay down his life? If Jesus had not laid down his life. If Jesus had not laid down his life. That is why when Abraham got to the point where he was about to kill his son, God said, wow. You will give up your son for me? You are too much. I, I, you are one of the greatest people I've ever seen. You are the father of faith. Sacrifice. The main thing that Abraham is known for is the sacrifice. We hardly remember anything Abraham did. What do you remember from Abraham? We forget that he slept with his uh, house girl. Wasn't it Hagar Abraham slept with? Yeah. yeah. Do, we, or, do we talk about that? It's not important. He's a father of faith. He's a father of faith. Unless you want to uh, take your eye past uh, Father Abraham and bring some of his, his bad things. You, you, you don't talk about those things. What we know Father Abraham for is his faith. He, he, God 
lifting him up in his eyes because of his son that when he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he went to discuss with him. Because God said, this is a guy I can relate with. He can lay down something that is the only thing in his life he's prepared to lay it down. So sacrifice releases power according to the scriptures. And I want to show you another scripture. Can I? Okay. Because we want to base everything we are saying on the scriptures. Second Kings chapter 3. Verse 26. There was a war. There was a war. That's why I say that. I mean, as much as, as much as, you see, sacrifice is your reasonable service. So as much as I, 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 I used to live in Europe, and I left there, and I came to Guyana, my life changed. There's some nice things that I, I give up. It's a nice life that I, I, walk, I walked away from that brought me here. The fact that that is no, it's a reasonable service, that gives me a certain power in this country. <laughs> because it, it, you can't just walk into a country and have church and have churches and have people. Who are you? But the ability to fall down and die. Otherwise, you abided alone. But if you do so, John says that you bring forth much fruit. The, the things we do for God, the things we put away, and, and the higher things we take in God, that is what gives us power. You can't get power. But you see, power is not given to you because you know somebody. Power is in the church. Power is not handed to you because, because you are my brother or you are my sister. Power is given to you by your ability to lay down something. And so if you can lay down the little, little comfort you have to rise up and plant a church, nobody will follow you the last time somebody rallied around you that you have a you have a you are a shepherd you have sheep or you're a pastor you have members it's because the sacrifice is difficult but that is that is the, that's the release of power look at the things that even happened this afternoon or what, that has been happening the power in the presence of god because we've left our comfort zones some of you have king size beds from courts that you are still paying. Here, we don't have king-size bed for you. In fact, you are even lucky we have bed for you. You should have been sleeping in a hammock under the Bernab. Then we told you, there's no feeding. Each for himself, God for us all. 
Nobody is going to spend no time in no kitchen to cook for nobody. That takes away a lot of time. We didn't come here to eat. We came to subject our bodies to the, 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 so lay down our flesh. Mortify the flesh so that our spirit will become alive. That's why we came here. <laughs> That's why we sleep at 12 a.m. and then we wake up at 4. When you go home, you can sleep all day if you like. <laughs> or your king size bed from courts that they've been calling you, they are coming to take it. <laughs> if you sacrifice something you see how people follow you why do you think Jesus has millions and millions of followers is it because he's just Jesus no he had to to pay a price to have followers it didn't come natural that's not how it happens you pay a price to have followers I have followers because I left my life. And people don't know that. People know that uh, I'm Africa. I came from Africa. And Guyana is nicer than Africa. Well, it's, not, it's not true. You, you, you're in Africa. I, I went, you went to Ghana twice. Okay. It's a nice place. <laughs> I went, I tell, when I went, to, I went to Amsterdam this time for this... Um, how you can make full proof of your ministry conference. I went to visit an old church. One of my friends, he has a church. I was preaching on a Sunday morning. After the sermon, the people came. Said, hey, Charlie, congratulations. You've done well. You've left us here. You've gone. And we sit. Hey, Charlie, you've done well. Because they cannot leave. Change. And I told you, the church, the church that I preach in, they meet in their building once a week. The building is for them. The building is for them 24 hours a day, seven days in a week. The building is for them. They pay 5,000 euros a month for the building. And they meet once a week because they can't have any other meeting. People won't come. People are working. People are working. 5,000 euros, that's one point something million Guyanese dollars. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too sore for him, he took with him 700 men that drew swords to break through even unto the king of Edom, but they could not. You see, so there was, there was a hindrance, there was an obstacle, they could not. Like how Adam handed over the keys of death to Satan. Something had to happen for that to be returned. Somebody had to come. Somebody had to die. Go and meet Satan in Hades. Slap him. (laughs) And say, give me the key. And then get back up. For us to be saved. To be delivered. (laughs) But they could not. 27. But then he took his eldest son. That should have reigned 
in his stead. Are you watching? So there's a battle between two kings. And one king was trying to break through to overcome the other king. And it wasn't working. So he looked around to see, what can I do? Now the Bible says he took his eldest son, not the second one, not the third one, not the baby last, the eldest. The, 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 Joseph was it, uh, 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 Israel. Israel said, Reuben, you are the what? The, 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 my, my. Reuben was his, the power of his something, he said. He used the word. The strength, man, something. Because he was the first guy he gave birth to. When he was, you know, blessing them, I think in Genesis chapter 49. He took his eldest son, the strength of my youth. That was it. That should have reigned in his stead. Doesn't this look like Jesus, guys? Doesn't sound like Jesus. The oldest. The one who was supposed to, uh, and is supposed to succeed him. So it's not no pagali. Is it pagali you call it? No lamata. Not a sheep, that is. He said, and the king offered him for a burnt offering upon the wire. Do you understand burnt offering? Are you with me? His solution to winning the warfare was to take his finest son, the one who, if he was to die, was to take his place. He took him. And I don't know how they are able to do these things. The son just said, okay, take me. Tie me up. Put care on me and light me up. He said, Daddy, thank you very much. You are such a good father. I don't know how they, they do those things. But that is what he did. He offered him upon the wall. The Bible says that that act was such a great indignation against Israel that they just laid down their weapons and they left. That, 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 that's the key to the victory. It's finished. He said, burning a human being alive for this battle, for this land that we are fighting on, please, take that land. The sacrifice of this first boy released so much power that the fighting could not achieve. For something higher. He gave up the son for something higher than the son. And that's what the Lord is telling us. that If we can really plant churches all over, like our mission is, then many of you will have to learn how to lay down your lives. And continue to lay it down because it is a living sacrifice. On a daily basis. Now when things get hard, then you begin to bring back your previous sacrifices. Now, when you, when you are burnt yesterday, you are gone. You have to be burnt today. You are ashes. There's nothing to refer to. It doesn't make any sense anymore. It caused such a great indignation against Israel. And the people say, the Bible says, and they departed from him. 
And then they went to their own. The victory in the battle came because something was burnt as a sacrifice. The victory in your life will come if you are able to cut off that thing you have to cut off. Can you imagine? I've lived among you. I've worked among you. I know how you love your children. Guyana, we say family is everything. Can you imagine going to tell your wife, Akila? That, Akila, Jerry must die. (laughs) He's a a fleshy one. There's a lot of flesh. So when you burn him, the fat will rise up to the Lord. Sweet-smelling offering. Do you know what a wife will tell you? <laughs> Can you imagine? No, but it looks like is it is is that's why that's why in Rick Joyner's book, the final quest, when he met uh, Apostle Paul, that he told him that the church today is a phantom of the original, it's a ghost of the original, because in this our modern day. You can never imagine somebody thinking of killing their child for something that relates to God. Those are the things in the Bible. It's not occult. It's not obia. It's not bina. It is things that people do or people were trying to do to please God. Hannah took his first ever and gave it to this Eli man which we don't know whether he has a wife. And I'm sure Simon was eating only ramens. Because <laughs> we never heard of Eli's wife. So if Eli wasn't, no sausage stew. No, no sausage in the ramens. No uh, whoa. Because we never hear of Eli's wife, even though we heard of his two sons. And then Hannah is so wicked to leave such a little boy with this big old man with white beard. In the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the temple in Shiloh. And he leaves him and he only sees him once a year. How many of you women will do that? If the pastor tells you, leave your child here, how many of you will say that? That's why Hawk was sharing something this afternoon that his mother was telling him since he, she left him at the age of six and now she's trying to recap, trying to get him to come and be with her. And then he's saying, no, I'm okay. My life is okay. She says she's happy because her dream was always to find somebody to love you like I wanted to love you. This is only happening in the church. <laughs> Can you imagine? Ned, your, your daughter is called Faith. You see, you see, <laughs> and, and for, for, for just, just a little side note, these things that they were doing, girls were not qualified to be used as sacrifice. You notice that, right? No, no, no. Woman? No, 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 no. You, you have to burn too many things. No, 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 no. Yeah. Abraham was not spoken to about his daughter. He didn't even have a daughter. This king here, it was his eldest son. If he ever, if he ever had an elder, eldest daughter, the Bible says it was the eldest son. Can you imagine in our modern day 
The Spirit of the Lord telling you that. Give up your son. No, I, I, was, I, was, I was with a man of God, a big man of God, a few months ago. And then we were gathering, he said that, oh, I was talking to him about his son. I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a soft spot for pastor's children, pastor's sons, especially those who enter into ministry. I've, God has given me something for them. Yeah, I've, I've prayed for one or two of them in the past. So I was talking to him about that particular son of his. And he'll say that, oh, at a point he said, you know, he wanted to be a pastor and all. He said, no, 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 you should go to school and finish school. School is good. It's good to be educated. But I'm thinking that if, if your son comes and says, I want to go to Bible school, will you tell him that since he's brilliant, he should finish university because you go to Bible school? You've become God now. Because timings are not even respected. Because if you don't go to Bible school now, do you think that after four years with a degree, it will be the right time? So God should wait on you and your plans for your child. I said, these days, it's so difficult for people to give up things. That is why the church is not powerful. And the reason why we can't bring people here into the country to preach is that we don't have money. And when the church is not powerful, there's no money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even if we have money, we have become so, so dull that the money is not invested in something that will promote church. We pray to God that one day we'll get there that we'll bring some big man of God here. I'm telling you, big man of God. <laughs> oh, yes. We invest in that. Because it costs money to bring a man of God here. You have to buy a first class ticket. You know, um, in the first life church in Ghana, they had um, Rodney Howard Brown the other day. They had Jonathan Shuttlesworth. They had John Avanzini. They all came to Ghana with their private jet. Oh yeah. No, they didn't. It's not commercial flight. You see, to invite a big man of God, it's not a commercial plane. It's not Caribbean Airlines. <laughs> no, they don't fly commercial. The one who fly commercial, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. And most of them don't fly commercial. They fly private jet. You know how it happened? When they got to Ghana, Prophet was telling us, Bishop Dagodnos was telling us, he said, the men told his son, Joshua Edward Mills, they rather, they rather give him thousands of US dollars. He said, you're a little boy, you don't have money. So, we will pay for everything and we'll give you money on top of it. Yeah. So, they, 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 didn't, they didn't pay for the private jet, the pilot, the fuel, the hangar, where they parked. The, you know, the hangar at the airport, you pay for it. <laughs> Not the hangar you put your clothes on or... <laughs> the place sleeps. (laughs) He said they they, they, they were shocked. The the Avanzini too. He said, Joshua, you don't have money. You are are a son. You don't have money. It's okay. We are not bringing, because if you see John Avanzini, his age, 
He has come to First Life Church with children, university students. What, what, how much bill can you pay? What are you going to pay? You are blown away. All the major men of God. So when we, last year, when we had the Give Thyself Holy, how, you, how I came to be anointed. When Paul Inenche from Nigeria came. When he came, he came with his private jet. He didn't stay in, he didn't sleep in Ghana. So the private jet brought him around five o'clock in the afternoon. His private jet. Then he came to where we were having a program to come and preach. Then after the preaching, he went around a little bit and then he was taken to the airport. The pilot was in the plane hitting the engine waiting for him as he was preaching. Can you imagine such a man of God how much it takes to honor him and invite him? That's how we don't have people, people like that come. Because the musicians who have been to Guyana as I've been around, they were brought by business people, not a church. And a businessman will never bring a preacher. The only people who brought the preacher was the Rambarans. They brought Benihin many years ago. Yeah. Because if you bring Benihin, you don't get money. You have to call it gate fee. And the wealth people, the wealthy people don't know that. Like when I told you I was going to do a crusade many years ago and I went to banks, DIH, for their stage. They said, Pastor, what we do and what you do, it doesn't match. So we can't give you our stage. I didn't understand. It was later understood that, oh, they will have to put the bank's beer on the stage. And I can't be preaching about Jesus when bank beer is my sponsor. <laughs> I didn't understand that. Later I understood why they refused my offer. Are you with me? The church doesn't have money to bring T.D. Jakes. Because the money you, you will spend to bring him, you can easily not get, you, there's no guarantee you get that money back. But if you bring Donnie McClurkin, ah, we fall down, but we get up. We fall down. Gate fee is 2500 The calculation is working in a certain way that you will pay the guy. It's money now. It's not salvation. It's money. So we get a little bit of gospel music. But it's money. Remember, you can't pay for the gospel. You can't pay for gospel music. But you can't pay for the gospel. It's free. And we can't do free things because the money that, that you put into bringing the man of God, you have to forget about that money. You got to lose that money. For the changing of lives of sinners. The solution to the war was to kill his elder son. Are you into sacrifice? I'm sure you into sacrifice. Okay. Let's look at another scripture. Psalm 106, verse 37. 
Psalm 106, verse 37. <laughs> what does he say? Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters <laughs> unto devils. Yulana, can you imagine? The people in the Bible days used to sacrifice their sons and daughters for Obia. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's the only part that daughters can come in. <laughs> daughters, the Lord have mercy on you. <laughs> yeah, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. You know the power that, that took place there? The land was polluted. The land was polluted. You see, I, I, I wonder why when you're about to enter Grove, when you pass Craig, they've come to build a mandir close to the Demerara River, right there on the left side there. Couple well. Yeah. You, you let us sit down and just, just be just moving around and fooling around. People are not joking around here. The first time I was coming from Batika and I saw this huge Hindu image on the right side. I don't know whether it's Hubu or somewhere right on the, when you are, when you are come, arriving with a boat. I said, ah! And it is watching the water. Marine spirits. Water spirits. What are we doing as church? You don't want to break a sweat for a church. You don't want to come for camp meeting. When you come for camp meeting, you don't get food. You say, me coming back to the camp, me get no food for eat. You wonder who is spending money and building those images. Yeah. Salome. Salome, are you there? Is it working? I needed you in the first session. You didn't wake up. Now you are sleeping again. <laughs> Can you imagine Salome killing Judah? <laughs> not your first ball. my first ball. Ah, not the first ball. The result of this is that the land was polluted with blood. And many people don't understand that our country, to some extent, is polluted with blood. People die recklessly and uselessly. And it's not all of them that are normal dying. Most of them are sacrifices. For many years, this highway, there's no light. I've driven on this highway for many years of my life. Because we have a church in Linden. I go to Linden, I preach, I don't sleep there, I come back. I've driven on this highway. You, you can clearly see how we want people to die on the road. One day, I was driving with the people in my car, and I turned off my headlight. I said, yeah, I'll look at something. Pitch black. 
That's why the white man doesn't believe in God because he'll put light there and there'll be no accident. Black people will not put light there and people will die there all the time and will be praying, say, Lord, we rebuke the demons. Lord, we bind the devil. It's just putting light right there on the road. It's not just power, it's wisdom also, it's headspace. When you go to New York, do you see any dark place like that in New York? That's why they don't believe in God. That's why they say there's no devil. Light shines in all darkness. The result was that the land was polluted because people, the, the, there was so much evil power by the sacrificing of their children. Ladies and gentlemen, sacrificing releases power. Three types of power released through sacrifice. Number one. Three types of power released through sacrifice. Number one, the power to make people follow you. Do you have people following you? No? Well, you know the, you know the, the answer to that, isn't it? That's the first CXC question here. <laughs> why, why is nobody following you? Because you have not sacrificed anything. Sacrifice gives you power. People will follow you when you sacrifice. Jesus is an example. Why are we following Jesus? Because he gave up his life. If you do not give up your life and start a church and start a branch, we rather are trying to fix our lives. Like one pastor said, She's resigning from the church to focus on her marriage. We have been serving God with our marital problems. Our marital challenges, we have them daily. Sometimes, if we are coming to preach, you don't know what has happened in the house as we've come to preach. We have never said we are resigning to go and focus on our marriage. And if that man or that woman is worth your ministry, well, so be it. Let, let that be. The power to make people follow you. When you sacrifice, people follow you. So to have a church, to have followers, to have people follow you, you must be somebody who sacrifices. Amen. <laughs> Uh, number two, the power to convince people. If you don't give up something, how can you convince somebody? Yeah. Like I, I tell, I, I tell some of the people who want to give up in ministry and all of that. I said, you have not followed me well. I became a pastor in nineteen ninety six. 27 years ago. 27? Or 37? 
27 years ago. I'm Salam the Netherlands. I became a pastor in 1996. If you follow me, it means that you have to also go that number of years. And I have traveled thousands of miles to be here doing ministry. You have not gone even 200 kilometers. So I, I, I have something to convince you because I, I have given up. Some, and of course, if you were given what I was giving, you probably not come. Because I went to Europe in 1990. And I went to struggle in Europe to build a life. And I lived there for 15 years. Built a life with my wife and children and all of that. Then my father in the ministry, my pastor, Bishop Dagwood, said, Collins, I want to send you to Guyana. I said, where is Guyana? I've never heard of Guyana before. <laughs> I had to go to the worldatlas.com to look for. Oh, Guyana. Ah. I gave up my house, everything. Sold my car, everything. And we left. It gives me power to speak to you. Because I've left somewhere to come somewhere. It gives me so much power to convince you to go to let him. That I can convince you to go to Bible school in Ghana. Come back and I say, you know what, Kenrick, even though you are from Sofia, leave Sofia and go to let him and live there. He can't tell me, I, I didn't judge now. I enjoy myself. And I want to go and punish him and let him. No, I didn't. I didn't, Jesus didn't stay on his throne in heaven. He came down to tell us about the kingdom of heaven. And he died for the kingdom. And that's why he, he's so convincing. Jesus is so convincing because of what he had laid down, what he, had, what he has done. So, if you can't sacrifice, nobody will follow you. If you can't sacrifice, nobody will be convinced by your life. Now, you see that, even for example, when it comes to marriage, those who are, Mr. Charlene says, to God be the glory, she's been married for 33 years, isn't it? Hallelujah. Mr. Charlene, are you there? Yeah, I can't feel your reaction. You are alive. Now, she has something to convince you when you are five years in marriage and you feel like giving up. She has gone ahead. She has, I don't think it's easy to live with Brian. <laughs> a man with a sword. <laughs> <It's> one, <laughs> I don't know what is that. Some Japanese fighter or something. She's laughing. It's not easy to live with. with, with it is never easy to live with any man or woman in this life. If you, you are able to do it for 33 years, you, you deserve a medal. And so it gives you a certain power to convince somebody who married just two years ago 
In fact, it is those people who at marriage ceremonies, they give advice. They come with a certain air. Good night, everyone. I want to congratulate me, cousin, Tamika, and she husband, Liron. I want to tell you that marriage is understanding. I've been married for 33 years. And it's not no easy road. It's not better road. <laughs> now, if you hear somebody that's been married for 33 years and you're at the uh, uh, high table with your wife in her wedding gown and everything, and you say, this is, we are just about four hours old. And somebody's standing with a microphone, a big woman, and they're telling you that she has been married for 30 days, and therefore, if you have understanding, you, 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 you will listen. You listen, isn't it, Michelle? You listen. Because she has been there. She has walked the road. She has walked the walk. So, so she has a certain power to convince you. Even if you want to leave, or your husband or your wife, the, the person can tell you, don't leave. Why shouldn't I leave? I punish him. The person can convince you because they can use their 33 years of experience to be able to tell you that it is not worth living. If you don't sacrifice and, and marriage is, let me tell you, <laughs> marriage. How, 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 how many years are you married for? Uh, 10, 10 years. 10 years. He says it's not easy for 10 years. This is a Charlene is. 43 with a, a samurai, samurai warrior and a white tick with a sword like that. <laughs> no, in, in marriage, you give up a lot of your personal privileges and preferences. It's a, love is sacrificial, even that one is a, it's a sacrifice. I remember when we said that everybody should get an iPad. Where's my show boy? Beside him. <laughs> he bought an iPad for his wife first. So we were in a meeting and I was, I was assessing, how many of you have an iPad? Then I saw the wife with an iPad. Then I asked him, oh, where's your iPad? He said, he bought one for his wife first. He was young in the marriage. He was young, right? <laughs> he, 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 he sacrificed because he doesn't want any problems for the woman to say, why you buy iPad and you buy none for me? <laughs> so, so he's trying to save his marriage by sacrificing his, his rights and privileges as the boss man of the house. Then I told him, boss man is enjoy first before them children and all the subordinates come inside. Now they understand those things. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you. So, sacrifice, when you sacrifice, you are able to make people, you are able to convince people. <laughs> you get the power to convince people. You see, think about Jesus. 
Jesus never wrote a book. He never published an article. He never campaigned for votes for, or support. But look at the people who follow him. It's just his death. He came many years ago. Still people follow him. Still people are convinced about his life. People are still convinced about who he is. Because of his sacrifice. Number three. The power to make people committed. The power to make people committed. Do people take you serious? Who takes you serious about this Christianity and this pastor and this uh, leader and deacon that you say you are? Do people take you serious? If they don't, then it means that you are not somebody who gives up things that makes you feel comfortable for the sake of the kingdom of God. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. The Bible says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. <laughs> Some people have done things. Though. Some people have done things with their lives for the sake of the gospel. I understand this place was, was 1976. This place this institution started. Yeah. 1976. Many of you, you were not born. I was born. Abigail too was born. Princess wasn't born. <laughs> this place has been here. Raising people. Somebody gave up their life to live here. Can you imagine 40 what? 47 years ago, how this place used to be. I'm sure you have to walk through a track. With maybe flambeau or something. Somebody came here with his wife or family and started this work. Now we are here having a, a camp meeting. Do you know how this place came? The fact that the person was able to come and start, that is how come people are even able to come to the school. If you, people can't follow you. You can't convince people if you are not serious. Who is taking you serious in that Christianity that you say you are in? Who is taking you serious? Or you, you work from Sunday to Sunday and you say you are a pastor. You work from Sunday that you don't have time for anything and you, you, you are unfruitful. Because even a simple thing as a job, you can't believe God for a better job. You are stuck with a job that keeps you from ministry. You, with all your man of Godness, you can't believe God for a better job. Who should take you serious? What are you going to offer somebody if we follow you? What are you going to offer us when we follow you when you can't leave a job? I remember when I, I got a job. One of my nicest jobs in Europe was a parking attendant. I, I, I transitioned from stage to stage. I know how to abase and how to abound by the grace of God. So at a point, 
the nicest job I got was a parking attendant. So, I sit in the garage, and people come and park their cars, and after that, they pay to me. I used to wear a uniform like the police. So when I walk around, I feel so nice because I know people are confused. They think I'm a police officer. To be, in, to be in Europe and walk around like a police officer is an achievement. Then one day, my boss told me that he's transferring me from one uh, um, garage where my church life, my preaching life was built around it. I would go to work Saturday night around 7 p.m. And, and, and knock off around Sunday morning, 7 a.m. Then I go home, bath, and then immediately go to church. I'll be in church, do all the things I do. By another 7 o'clock in the evening, I have to report to work Sunday night. And then Monday morning, 7, if I'm on night shift. So it, it was working for me. By the time we get to Tuesday, Wednesday, it's my day off, so I can do my Tuesday evening service. Then he told me that he's moving me to a parking garage that is bigger, that is close to the Amsterdam Ajax, Ajax football team. Yeah, stadium, official stadium in Amsterdam, Southeast. I said, no problem. Then he told me that I'll have to work some Sundays. So I said, some Sundays? Sundays are holy days, you know. Yeah, holidays, holidays. So my first shift was on a Sunday morning. I said, hey. If I leave this job, how am I going to pay my bills? And in Holland, by law, if you quit a job, you don't get unemployment benefit. If you are fired, you get unemployment benefit. So if I quit, I won't get any support. So you, you, you don't just quit, a, you don't just <laughs> walk, away from, walk off a job. So the first Sunday, we had a visiting. One of our uh, female pastors was uh, visiting from Ghana. So I, I told her to preach for me. As I stayed watching vehicles. God has called me to a noble place of watching his precious souls. I have, I'm trying to exchange that to watching over unbelievers' vehicles on a Sunday morning. So... As I was there, collecting money, watching over vehicles, parking vehicles, driving vehicles, parking vehicles, driving vehicles. There was a football match, so the, the garage was packed. I was sitting down at a point, and the Holy Spirit asked me, so what's going to happen next Sunday? Because the lady who was preaching for me that Sunday, she was going back to Ghana on the Thursday. So then come the Sunday now, I am the pastor. Of course, there are people who can preach. Lady Pastor she could preach, so she could preach. I could have an, somebody could preach. But the Holy Ghost asked me, who gonna preach next Sunday, Basman? Then I realized that if I don't make a decision, something bad was gonna happen. So I told my boss, I can't work this Sunday. He said, no, 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 I can't say that. There's nobody to fill my position. I said, I, but I can't work. I have to preach. He said, no, no. If I can't work, then I have to leave the job. That's okay. Then I leave the job. Which nobody with good, good headspace does. As an immigrant living in a white man's country, your bills, your, that is what is paying your bills. And I was living alone in my apartment. No, no. That, I think that time, uh, 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 mommy was around. Living, paying bills and all of that. You can't just
just walk off a job. You're an African. You're heading good. But my head wasn't good that day. I said, I'm off. And he said, Victor, if you leave, then that's it. I said, okay, so be it. I walk off the job. Sunday came. I went to church. I preached powerfully. Sunday, Monday morning, I day home. I look into the skies and I study what's going to happen. Tuesday morning, I day home. I said, bye. You sure this was a smart idea? <laughs> it took me two years. Yeah. Of unsettledness. Then, two weeks later, a job agency called me. And then they told me that they have a job for, they have a job interview for me. There's a vacancy if I'm interested. I said, yes. They said, Sun Microsystems. It's a computer company from America. They have outsourced part of their uh, operations to a, a Dutch company called Getronics. And they are looking for English speakers. So we were wondering whether you were interested. I said, of course, you should have called me a long time ago. I'm interested. I was waiting. So they called me to their office. They coached me how to dress, what to say, all of that. The day of the interview came. I dressed up, put on my tie. You know, man of God, you put on tie. So I went for the interview. This should be there 15 minutes before the interview, the scheduled time. So 8.45, I was there at the reception waiting. Nine o'clock, the lady came, blonde girl, came and said, Victor, I said, yes, sir. Franca, nice to meet you. Please come. Went to a, a small office. And she started interview, 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 interview. The job agency told me that if they ask me about salary, I should bluff. Because over there, they ask you, how much do you want to be paid for? It's not where you are giving what they want to give you. No, 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 no. They ask, how much do you want to be paid for? And yeah, you negotiate. So they taught me that. I didn't know. A black man in a white man country, I didn't know that uh, you, you can do that. So they told me, they coached me, they said, you should bluff. Mention a big amount. By the time I realized, the interview had turned into Africa. Ghana food. How does it taste? I've never tasted Ghana food before. Oh, I wish I can taste Ghana food. The interview had turned from seriousness to talking about African food. Before I could say Jack Robinson, I was hired and I was starting work the next Monday. It was one of the nicest jobs apart from the parking attendant job. That was the first time I sat in an office. I, I had an office. I was sharing an office with a few colleagues. That was the first time in my life. I think it was about nine years. 1992, I think it was around 1998, 1999, after punishing and struggling, cleaning toilets and doing factory work and all kinds of things, God placed me in an office. Because I used to clean people's offices. You empty the bin, you clean the ashtray, you clean the telephone. Salome, are you here? Salome, are you there? Is it working? Is that a posture? I don't know whether the anointing is flowing already. Maybe I should start ministering. Wow. (laughs) 
you, you will not understand it. But after going to university there, and then not being allowed to work with your certificate because your Dutch, the command over the Dutch language is not good. So you have to resort to menial jobs because you are an immigrant, you need the money. And then, for the first time in your life, after nine years of, of hustling, you get your own office desk. A nice chair that rolls. That you can go down and come up and then leave. And then you have your own telephone. And then he can call you and he can pick up and say, good morning, Sun Microsystems. Victor Collins speaking. How may I help you? First time in nine years. Then, as if it wasn't enough, then I also, around four or five o'clock, I have other black people like me who come and clean my table and empty my bin. When they empty my bin, I feel so nice. I say, hey, God is a good God. That job gave me a stance to one of the highest jobs ever before I left Europe. Because the woman who interviewed me and employed me, she left after two years to join another company, an American company called Millipore. They, they, they specialize in filtration systems. Then she called for me and said, Victor, do you want to come and work with me? So this job that I'm talking about, that I had my desk, my salary raised to about like, uh, uh, like half. So like if it was 1,000, it became 1,500. Then when my, the boss asked me to come and, uh, uh, you know, join her in that other company, 1,500 became 3,000. So in a space of about two and a half years, my salary uh, without any wahala, any, my salary had, it was because I refused to work on a Sunday. And that's where it started from. I refused to work on a Sunday. And I walked off the job. I, I walked off. I'm not telling you something that I don't know. When we tell you that you can't take a job, the job that is shift, this stuff, you can't come to church. You can't do this. And say, oh, pastor, you don't know. Am I lighted? You don't know. You, you, if you don't have faith, who should follow you? There's, there's, I don't know if you, there's this Ghana proverb. Was it good to your master say, or Bema on tomorrow? Was it Shannon? There's a nice Ghana proverb from, from my tribe. They say that when a naked man says, they'll buy clothes for you. You should look at a naked man. You buy clothes for me? You take me shopping and buy me nice fancy clothes? Look at you. In the same way, you have never achieved anything in the Christian world by sacrificing. So who should follow you? That's how many of you cell group leaders, you're always complaining when you go there. People don't come. Sunday morning is a challenge. Because you don't, what have you done for somebody to follow you? When, I, when we started our church in Europe, when I met Bishop Dagwood Mills, he told me, he said, Collins, as a lay pastor, you have to pray three hours every day. I said, hey, 
Why? <laughs> I don't have three hours waiting for prayer. He said, if you are going to be fruitful in this country, you will have to learn to speak in tongues every day for three hours. That's a, I mean, it was very interesting. Three hours of prayer. If you don't put down something, again, nobody will follow you. There, there, there is no aura. There's no magnetic aura. There's no anointing around you. God has not given you something that when you go, people will follow you. People follow you because you carry something. Because you have paid a price to, to carry something that others don't have. That's what makes people follow you. People with mega churches and all these things, ministries, they have done things that people, other people don't do. You had a long break, so I'm not closing now. Don't, don't watch the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, Pastor Jonathan, he can go anytime he wants to go, but you can go anytime you want to go. <laughs> you want to look at the enemies of sacrifice? Yeah. So remember the, 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 the powers that are released through sacrifice. What is number one? Sorry? Power to make people follow you. And Jesus said, follow me and I will make you somebody who others will follow. So you can't follow Jesus and not have people follow you. No, that, no, no. So if you are, you are following Jesus and you have not been able to be made into somebody who fishes men. Something, something, the, the, the quadratic equation is not working. It's not balancing. That count is not balancing. Something is not, is not gelling. Your comfort zone is too nice for you. Are you there? Number two, power to convince people. You know, sometimes in the world, if you want a girl, you, you can't just talk. <laughs> talk is cheap. <laughs> Uh, I know many of you, you, you had some past before you, you became a Christian. Yeah, talk is cheap. I told you of my story. When I finished A-levels in Ghana, 1988, I was waiting for my results. And I spotted a young girl. I said, this girl is nice. I want she. I, was just, I, was, I had just finished uh, Cape. A level, so I didn't have nothing. But I had time. <laughs> Should I say it again? <laughs> yeah, Adam, you, you had the opportunity to go to Samaria and, and help another. Me, I was home doing nothing. And I said, I like this girl. Nice girl. Nice girl. Then, so I started visiting her. 
I went to her house religiously every day for six months. Not a church, not a church, not a, not a church member. I was not saved. Every morning when I finish washing my father's car, everything sweep, do my chores, and my father leaves to go to work, then I also bath, put on my nice something, and I've gone by she house. Six months. Oh, yeah. I remember sometimes when I go, they say, oh, she's sleeping. I said, no problem, I'll wait. <laughs> you want power? <laughs> People are uh, burning their sons and their daughters for power. What are you doing? Sometimes I'll go, she'll be there, she'll come out, Meet me, we'll sit down on the veranda, we'll be talking, we'll talking, and she'll say, oh, she's tired, she wants to go and sleep. I said, okay, don't worry, you go and sleep, I'll be here. Ah. <laughs> I will wait for you. <laughs> so, when I got saved, and I realized that it is, it is unfair to my Savior if I can also do some radical things for him. Because I've done, th- I've done things with my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've done things. I've, I've commitment and all kinds of foolish things. Oh, we're not saved. Now, when I become a Christian and I'm preserving myself, then I don't understand my salvation. And if I really want to be fruitful, then I also need people to follow me. I have to go the same way my Savior went. That is, deny myself, take up my cross, Follow him so I can have others also follow me. (laughs) Enemies of sacrifice. Quickly. Now, you you have to understand that since sacrifice releases releases power, there's always going to be something or somebody or some circumstance that will prevent you from sacrificing because the devil doesn't want you to have power. That's how when Jesus was going to die, the devil said, you won't die. Peter said, not, not when I'm alive. Now, can you imagine when Judas brought the people into the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter took out his sword and he chopped off the chief priest's ears. I mean, if you were Jesus, you give, you give Peter a pound of Say, man, Peter... <laughs> The heart follower, I like you, but <laughs> must chop the other ear too. <laughs> yeah, you'll be happy. Look at all this John, James, Andrew, Matthew. Look at them, look at their faces. They are not even doing anything for me. Peter, chop the other ear too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Juki, <laughs> kill all of them. Jesus was rather not happy with Peter because he was trying to prevent the source of power that was going to run the world for thousands and thousands of years. And so when Peter again said that you will not die, he said, Satan, get thee behind me. You are, not, you are not after the things of God, but you are after the things of man. So because of the power 
that can come to you, that can be released into your life to be fruitful. There is also an enemy that prevents you from getting that power. Yeah. That is why we will even have the Antichrist. Spirit that doesn't want people to follow the example of Christ. And the Apostle Paul said that there are so many Antichrists around now. It's fantastic how parents don't want their children to be baptized. But then they leave them to go to all kinds of places. Yeah. Children mash. That kind of thing. When a child says, I want to be baptized, the parents say, no. You are not ready. Hmm. Daniel chapter 8, verse 9. The enemies of sacrifice. And out of one of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven and it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon it. Now, this is something the prophet Daniel prophesied. And this prophecy was about a guy called Antiochus Epiphanes. He made himself an enemy of the Jews. And he profaned the temple. He entered the sanctuary and took away the golden altar. He stopped the daily sacrifice and set up the abomination of desolation. And he called Solomon's temple the temple of Jupiter, Olympus. Why did he do that? He didn't want the daily sacrifice, the things that are normal for the temple to go on. He didn't want it to happen. So he changed the way things are so that people would not do the daily sacrifice. There's an enemy that doesn't want you to sacrifice. There's an enemy that doesn't want you to lose anything for the sake of the gospel. The first enemy is the Antichrist. The Bible says, and an host was given him against the daily sacrifice. An host was given him against the daily sacrifice. That's verse 12. An host was given him against what? Is that what Romans is saying? Living sacrifice. That's a daily sacrifice. So that little horn that we are talking about, he was the one who came or he was going to come or he exists to affect the sacrifice that we do daily. 
That's why when you get a job that you that that you work on Sundays, you say, "Nah, I gotta pay my bills." You forget that there's somebody at work. Yeah, the strategy. So, how many of you would like to be cell leaders? Then you bow down your head, you start praying. How many of you want to start branches? And the devil is saying, don't worry. You started a branch, it didn't work. You are, you are, afraid. You are not going to start no branch this time. Don't say you. You can't do nothing. It's not for you. Branching is not for you. That's the thing. And, and an host was giving him against the sacrifices that people would do daily. It is the Antichrist. He's the first enemy of sacrifice. In Daniel chapter 11 and verse 31. And the arms shall stand on his path and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. And shall take away the daily sacrifice. And they shall place abomination that make it desolate. It's one of the things that's going to happen. You remember in the last days, before the, 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 the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be, Solomon's temple is going to be rebuilt. And then they are going to restore all the things that the, the, the Jewish customs are. And that is one of them is the daily sacrifice. Now, one of the things that when the Antichrist is revealed, is going to show that he's the Antichrist, that he's going to stop the, the, that daily sacrifice that is the custom or the tradition or the order of the day. In relating with it, it means that the things we do on a daily basis for the sake of God, the only one that doesn't want it to happen is the Antichrist. And it's a spirit. It is a spirit. It can, it can enter your mother. It can enter your father to tell you, don't do this. I remember, I tell you my story when I went to say bye-bye to my father in Ghana when I was coming to Guyana. And my father told me that he went to the hospital. Do you remember? He said he went to the hospital. He was sitting at the polyclinic. And then he saw um, his friend, his, his classmate, old, old, old man. He was carried by his son. Because he was influenced, so his son carried him into the hospital. And then he asked himself, Where are my sons when I get to that stage? Somebody have come to tell him that by the grace of God, I'm going to Guyana, I'm leaving Europe, I'm going to Guyana to be a missionary. And you're telling me such a story. What do you think he was trying to tell me? (laughs) Yeah. I felt it. I felt it. I felt like, okay, so what my father is saying is a real thing. If, if something happens to you right now, all of us are abroad. Oh, everybody, eight children, everybody is somewhere in the world living their lives. So when you go home for about two, three weeks, and then you're blowing time, you're having a nice time with him, then he, he, he tries to. <laughs> you know, he tried to 
Say this. He's, he, he's missing his children. So he wished one of them was staying with him to look after the business, to look after this. And, and I, I, I'm a pastor somewhere already. And, and my course is, is what God has charted for me. And so to just abandon everything and come and be with you and look after a business, it, it's, it's a very... You know my father? My father was a very fantastic man. I told you how after I got married, I was driving him. And he asked me a question. He said, if you are on an island and there's a canoe, it can take only two people. On the island, you are there with your mother and your wife. And there's a tornado. There is a hurricane. Who will you take with you? That's the question my father asked me. (laughs) My father was very fantastical. (laughs) I said to myself, I will not answer this question. I will just smile. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a question that can land you in the court of law. Because how do you tell your father that you leave his wife on the island <laughs> and take your wife? How do you tell your father that? I'm sure he'll slap me in the car. He's a foolish boy. <laughs> And I also feel like, if I don't take my wife, then it means that my marriage covenant that I, I made before God, I'm also violating it. So I say, you know what? The best thing is just to smile. My father looked at me for about 10, 15 seconds. I wasn't saying anything. And he answered the question for me. He said, you will take your mother, right? <laughs> I smiled again. Then he said, there's only one mother. As a wife, you can marry a lot. You can, if you lose a wife now, you can find another wife tomorrow. But if you lose a mother, that's it. I smiled again. I said, hey, hey, hey. That's a very wise man. Yeah? So when he told me about his friend and how his son carried him into the hospital, hey, tell you. I think I went to see a pastor the Sunday and he told me that, have I had Yeah, I remember. I was in our conversations. Oh, Charlie, I'm leaving Europe. I'm going to South America, Guyana. I'm a missionary. They said, have you heard from God? So my father is telling me this story. Then the pastor is telling me on a Sunday if I've heard from God. The Sunday I was confused, but but one thing I, I, I held on to was that my pastor, Bishop Daggett Mills, told me he wants to send me to Guyana, and I said yes. So that's the deal. When I came around, I met a few people who asked me, so how, why Guyana? Did God speak to you? Did you have a dream? I said, hey, I wish. It's my pastor who said I should go. I didn't pray about it. I didn't have to pray about it. Because he gave me a shepherd to guide me. And as I'm here today, you can tell me whether I made a wrong decision or not. Did I, do you think I made a wrong decision? No. I didn't have to pray. My father said, go. When Jesus said, go, are you going to pray? I said, 
dear father, Jesus said we should go. Are you sure he will be worshiped? Are you sure you agree with Jesus? Jesus said, go, so you go. Enemy of sacrifice is the Antichrist. Number two. Judas. Judas the carrot. Judas Iscariot is the second enemy of sacrifice. In John chapter 12, verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard. Very costly. Someone say very costly. <laughs> you see, costly things, you don't play with them. Like your eldest son who has gone to university is an engineer. And you are killing him for some obia power. Something, somebody got to be crazy. He took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Baby, is it working? We are closing just now. There's an enemy who is fighting your sacrifice. <laughs> He's blowing breeze on your, on your, on your eyes like that. Yeah, if you are sleeping, it means something is fighting your, 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 your ability to stay awake. <laughs> the practical part of the, the teaching I'm teaching. <laughs> so she said, the Antichrist, go away. I'll stay awake and listen to what the bishop is saying. <laughs> I remember he has gone to take his chair into a corner. It's like he has planned to go there and sleep. <laughs> he has decided. <laughs> People have gone to stand to fight the Antichrist. <laughs> so the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. It's very interesting how the ointment can fill the whole house. I'm sure people have perfumes like that. It's not a Chinese one. The original ones. Yeah, air freshener. The Chinese one is air freshener. <laughs> when you spray it, and you get out of the house, you see that. Oh, it, yeah. So the Bible says Mary did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stay. Max, stay right there. I've seen something. Let's stay right there. Mary took a pound of ointment of spike and that very costly. Take note of that. Very costly. Your time is very costly. Your money is very costly. Your, your, your relationship is very costly. I mean, the person who is in your life that you are struggling to live or whatever, the person is a very costly person. You like the person. It's not just any useless person. That's a person you have made a child with. That's a person who has taken you to school. That's a person who has been an influence on your life. It is a very costly individual. That's what we are trying to establish. It's not just no, no, nobody. And he anointed. So, so look at it. He takes something that is very costly. 
And then Jesus, he's been walking around Jerusalem and Galilee. His feet has a lot of dust. One of the customs of the Jews was that when you, when you enter into their homes, one of the, they, they provide water for you to wash your feet. So this time, Jesus, he didn't get any water. So he went to sit down. Look at the highness of the ointment. Okay, so it's like your education, your career, something that in your eyes is so important. Then you take it and you just shy it into the bin. Because of a man of God, because of the kingdom of God, because of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Look, they're very costly. And then he takes the very costly something. A child with great potential who can easily become one of the best lawyers in the country. They say he should go to Haruni International Ministry Training Center to become a pastor. You heard him good? Oh, my child to become an engineer. Costly. Then you take it to wipe somebody's feet. And it's just not somebody. The thing is that it's just not somebody. It's just not an ordinary person. It is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. The one who is, who was, and who is to come. It's not just any and anybody. It may look like a church. It may look like some institution that doesn't have any hope of future. But let me tell you, it is the kingdom of God. As we are building in number two canal, we're, we're doing a fence. I, I told Andre and Taman, I said, I, the main gate, I want the main gate to be big. So we bought a, the, you know, the, this steel, half, half inch steel is 19 feet in length. So we tie the steel and we raise it up like that. Charlie, it's like a skyscraper. You look at that. Then I said, Andre, Taman, hey, Taman. I said, Charlie, is the thing, is the thing scary? It looks like it's too scary. You should cut off the steel a bit. Then we, 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 we cut it a bit. Yeah, because I think it's 19 feet in length. And then my argument is that there is no embassy on earth that has a small gate. Maybe your house has a small gate, but not an embassy. Maybe my house has a small gate, but not an embassy. I said, I cannot build an embassy of the kingdom of God in my lifetime and give it a small gate. If we build a house, we can give, them, we can give it a small fence, small gate, which a dog can jump over anyway. I don't want to build the gate of the church that a dog can jump over. I'll build a big one. Like the gates of Zion. Like the one Samson went and took from the land of the Philistines. Big gate. Does man look at the outward? He took the costly ointment. You think about it. What, is some, what are some of the brands? Colognes, perfumes, expensive ones. Those. Jack, what are some of the colognes? Those people who like colognes and perfumes. What? What? Calvin Kelvin. <laughs> Charlie, tell me some of the, the perfumes. Versace. Christian Dior. Eternity, Calvin Klein. 
One million dollar man. What else? Two twelve. What else? Kaya. Uh-huh. What else? Jupe. What else? Isimeyaki. What else? Curve. Melbeck. Marigold. Amani. Code. Hugo Boss. Antonio Banderas. <laughs> Ophelia. Yeah. Ophelia. Ophelia. Victor and Rolf. Have you heard of it before? Victor and Rolf? You check it out. <laughs> are all of you feeling sleepy at the back there? Or you are just trying to be? You are fighting the Antichrist. are you you picking up what I'm talking about the thing is costly you see many people wouldn't give up their intelligent um, bright future type of children and say we're going to become a pastor that's what my prophet said when he said he wants to be a full-time pastor. His, his mother-in-law said, is there a problem? Is somebody fighting you at the hospital? Please tell us. Let, let, let's go and fight and sort this thing out. You can't leave this thing and go and be a pastor. A prophet when he was getting married, his father was bored with him because he was marrying in some canteen in some building somewhere when he is, a, is a, an elder of St. George's Cathedral. They are going to marry at Lighthouse on uh, 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 High Durban Street. It wasn't easy for him. Take that thing that is costly. And anoint the feet. And the feet is Jesus' feet. But to some, you are taking something precious and making it useless. You are taking something precious and making it useless. In verse, verse 4. Max, verse 4. Thank you. Hey, Max, if you are shutting down, I have to close over because 
If you shut down, it means that the Antichrist has won the fight. <laughs> then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Why didn't we send this boy to Cambridge University and so that when he graduates and he becomes a rich doctor, he can take care of the poor people in the community? Why should he give his time and his life to be a pastor? <laughs> the next enemy against sacrifices, Judas. The spirit of Judas does not want precious things to be given for the use of the ministry. People don't like us to drive nice cars. Yeah? See, if it was left with people, we'll be driving an Earl, Earl's car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two to uh, one ninety two. It's true. Do you do you genuinely think that people are concerned about me driving a nice car? I don't think I don't think so. That bishop is driving a one ninety two, and that is a problem, and that we should we should change it for him. I don't think people will worry about that at all. It's not people's concern. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. We are after what we can do and what we can get. The pastor's car. You think people are concerned that I live in a place that I'm renting? You think people are concerned about that? They don't care. Yeah. People don't care. Because if people care, if the Antichrist was not at work, a lot of sacrifice would go into raising the image of the Jesus that you are putting the ointment on the feet of. Have you? Yeah? Fight the Antichrist. <laughs> yes, a good fight. <laughs> Ravi, I know you're a fighter. You are not a fighter, not this time. <laughs> Jonathan is gone. No problem. We are used to these things. Yeah, it's mid- midnight. You have to go and sleep. Midnight, you sleep. Have wife and children. Wife is waiting for you. Yeah, it's so loud. It's midnight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you here? Yeah. You pay attention. The person who will prevent you from giving up things. Where is Shorty? Where is Belinda? It's sacrifice. It's giving up something for something higher. It is, it is, so, so Judah said, there's no point. Don't, you, you lose your job. If you go from the camp, you come back and they fire you. Is Bishop going to pay you? That's what some people will tell you. There's something Judah said. 
is going to be helping. Their mother is here. The old woman is here. And them children who, who, who we are granny, we are dead in just now. They have longer life for punishment suffer. We we dead in just now. We, we are older. Yeah, we'll be hundred before we die. Yeah. Francis, you should fight the Antichrist. Fight Judas Iscariot. He's the enemy to your sacrifice. He said, Francis, close your eyes. You say, yes, Antichrist, sleep is good, pa. <laughs> it's better. Are you with me? That's what it is. He said, this thing is not useful. That is why the church doesn't have power. I hope that the church is listening. Anywhere I stand and talk, I will talk about some of these things. The church is not powerful. It's not. Because of the lack of sacrifice. The big man told me, he said, I told him to get, go to school, get masters, get this, get, get that. After that, he can look at Bible school. After that, there's no, there's no need. There's no, there's no, you, you, are, you are now, you want to now use your masters and your MBA to, to, you want to practice it, you want to use it in the world. And, 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 and uh, it, because it doesn't make sense to go this far and just throw it away. So, so then, you see, next step, sometimes because you don't have that high thing, it's easier to sacrifice. <laughs> if you go so high, MBA, masters, this, that, 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 it, it becomes so difficult. Your parents will fight you. They thought we'd send you to school for, for this nonsense. Oh, go brainwashing you. I want to meet the pastor. You are not going to that church anymore. Yeah, good shepherd. He's not a good shepherd. <laughs> he encourage you to finish your school and find a good job and, and at least give the church some donation now and then. That's what, that's what Judah said. Let's sell it and let's find donation for the church now and then. All the church needs is money. Jesus doesn't need it. Be careful of those who, when I am trying to organize things for the sake of the ministry, I want to be on radio, I want to be on this. Be careful about those who don't want to contribute to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be careful of those people. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah. That, that is why the church is not strong. We don't see the use. We don't see the importance. You ask people, how much would you contribute? They don't say anything. And this is the man of God's the mission. This is his mission. This is his mission. Jesus said, leave her alone because against my burial has she done this. Against my, against my ministry and my mission in Guyana because of that. That's why your contribution is, is, is necessary. 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 And I'm telling you that if we don't do those things, Power that is called power. 
I remember the story of a young lady in university who a guy who was sleeping with some girls in the university fellowship. He slept with one, he slept with another, and then he wanted to sleep with this one. And he has a certain pattern, you know, it's like he joins the, the scripture union and then he says, oh, okay, you know, you can come by me and we can do some little Bible study here and there. And then he falls in for it. So this third girl or second girl came into his, you know, his room and then they were having Bible study like usual. The Bible study starts with laying on of hands. Now, this particular girl, this guy learned a lesson because when he started his, his usual tricks, when he tagged the girl, he, he touched electrical power. It, something shocked the boy like that. That was the end of his foolishness. Power? If we don't learn to sacrifice, never have power. The things that we are doing in Canada number two, you wait and see. You wait and see. Even the gate alone, me, I feel encouraged. Yeah. If you pass, you see that big gate. I think we should have kept it at 19 feet too. <laughs> 19 feet is like you. Yeah. If the gate is that high. Now, when you pass, you will stop. No, it's... Uh, What's that? And we're not just going to make, make people wonder. We are going to put good, welcome to Good Shepherd Church on the wall. Good Shepherd Church. So when you are passing, you don't have to wonder it is a church. You will know. Because like I said, there is no embassy with small walls. I don't know if you know an embassy that has small walls. The fence of the American embassy is so short. And when you're going to the embassy, you don't have to open the gate. You just got to do so. <laughs> Somebody got to be crazy. The walls, the fences, high. Sometimes barbed wires. They create a certain importance of the place. And when we are building churches, the church gate is so. Yeah. You see, you see, it's the requirement. My fault. I decide my requirement. <laughs> well, when we put that big gate at, at, at Hebron, the people that were saying that it's, it's jail. They are lucky we didn't. It's, it's unfortunate we can't do the walls that high. You can't see inside. I know Guyanese will give us a name. That's why I, I, I stopped. I didn't do that. Is it, is it church? No, it's no church. It's jail. So I said, I said they, they, they'll, they'll call us all kinds of things. So I said, you, let's put grail so that when you are passing, you can see the yard. I wanted to do something same in Samaria. You see blocks all the way high. Because what's that? Church? Why you got to do so thing for church? We, people will even come because of that. You know our people. That's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll do something. Watch those who don't promote the upward search of ministries and churches and men of God. Yeah. That's why I'm saying that. Oh, at least by the time we're living here, we should just 
something extra. It's going to be very different. It's going to be very different. We just want something from God. We want to plant seeds so God will do something for us. And we are already in the grounds where we can plant seeds. Why don't we do it? It's a good thing for you to even learn. When you get to a place, you have to try and do something. How many enemies do you have? Two. Okay, last one. It's bedtime. But it's nice because during the day it gets hot. Now it's so cool. Now when it's cool, Antichrist is fighting you. Number three, the last enemy is Satan. Am I here? I thought you were sleeping. <laughs> Matthew chapter 16, verse you don't have a testimony to share that you didn't share. Where's Soraya? Ghana? Ah, okay. Salome, yeah, you too. I was looking for you this afternoon. Yes, <laughs> it's you. Yeah, trying to, she has to be na, be na you, entice you. <laughs> I believe that God is really speaking to many of you to give up certain things for power. Difficulties and your challenges are just as a result of the things that you are holding on to that you shouldn't hold on to. You will overcome some of the challenges like that if you have to give up some things. There are some things that you've opened yourself to that have brought you some challenges. For example... If you're in a relationship and you 
cry almost every night. What is the solution? Get rid of there. <laughs> Get rid of the relationship. It's not, it's, not, it's not even a question of should I, should I not. You've been crying every night. Just end it. Pillow is wet. It's smelling. Every month you're buying a new pillow from court. <laughs> but then you're holding on to the relationship and then believing God. It's not over. So you say so. You are faithful. God, you're faithful. My relationship is the confidence I need. (laughs) (laughs) It's a breakup of my relationship. That's what you have to be singing. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Peter. Who was trying to tell Jesus, death is not his portion? Can you imagine that death is your portion? But in the plan of God, dying is is better. Yeah, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you, if you have a dream right now that you're in a coffin, you call me. Hmm? Karen, you call and say, Bishop, I had this funny dream. I was in a coffin. Especially if you dream it two times. <laughs> yeah? No, is it not better to go and see Jesus? Oh, it's better. So when you see yourself in a coffin, you should tell Satan, Satan, I'm not afraid of <laughs> if, if I die, it's God's will. I'm going to see my Jesus. So you can bring dream after dream. I don't care. And some people say, ah. So what does it mean when you dream and you're in a coffin? It means you are dead. <laughs> so that we make the devil so, so powerful. We make him feel so nice. It's like, I got him. I got you. I got you. Oh, got you. Go, look. He going to church early. I got you. Jesus didn't tell Peter, get him behind me. He told Satan. Satan is the third enemy of sacrifice. So the first enemy of sacrifice is what? Antichrist. The second enemy, Judas Iscariot. And the, the, the third one is what? All right. Come, Salome. Soraya, I was looking for you. Come. Come. How are you feeling? Sometimes you can. Some of these things. 
Now all the antichrist, you should tell antichrist to go away. What's happening? What happened this afternoon? I was trying to talk to you, but you were not minding me. Yeah. You, you. You wanted. I wondered how I meet on the stage. How you meet on the stage. You walked up there to the stage. You didn't know you came there. What was the last thing you remembered this afternoon? I was standing behind there and you said, raise your hand. He said, raise your hand. Yes. And then you raised your hand. Yes. And then you didn't remember again. No, no. All you saw is that you were sleeping comfortably on the stage. <laughs> Me, I thought you were in the spirit. No way you were sleeping. That's all. You don't, you don't remember anything. No experience, nothing. Nothing at all. Are you frightened for say? Don't worry, you won't get back to you. He was choking you in the night. <laughs> you see, I shared my testimony with you, isn't it? Because that is what must happen. The things that you hear during the preaching, that affects you. And that are real things you should come and talk about. I've had a few people do the thing. They've, they've said either they message or they came to see me, something. I believe that it is, it is a way to a stronger stance in Christ for them after they come. The reason why you go home uh, tomorrow will go and then nothing will change about you. All you say is that, oh, come was powerful is that you did not put into practice the things you heard. So I feel there's something you have to you want to say, but you don't want to say it. It's not for me, you know. It's for you. Okay? You, you want to say it or you don't want to say it? You want to say it. So why are you you bluffing? You know it's all yeah, yeah. Okay, so sister um sister what's her name again? Jesse has a microphone your mouth. Tell us what happened. That first I was crying and I couldn't You were crying? Because you, were you not with the children? No, I wasn't You were at the back. Okay, all right. Um, I was crying. I couldn't understand why um, I was crying. And then, um, you know, a voice came to me and it was saying that, you know, you, you. Me? Um, yeah. Okay. You, you chose me uh, from out of a big church. Uh, it, it took me back when I first came to the church, actually. Okay. And, um, As Hakima. Yes. Okay. They're biting people. <laughs> and the voice said that you have chosen me from a whole big pasture. You had so many people to choose. And um, you chose me out of that set. And you started guiding me from then on. You put me to sing. So I was asking, I was trying to ask, why did you choose me? Because I don't see why, Bishop. And um, no, then I saw a light. You saw a light? There are lights here. Which one? This one? No, uh-huh. no. I saw a brighter light. Than a this. brighter light. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. 
I don't. I, I can't say whether it was uh, an angel looking like, but it was an object, and I saw you in front of that big thing. And um, were you here when Sister Esther described who I was? You see, I was I was I was lying down. I was just trying to look at the camera. I wanted to take a selfie. <laughs> I said, flip, flip, flip. I said, I will send it to Esther to see if. I looking good. <laughs> uh huh. Yes, that. And then in that midst, um, I remember the scripture, uh, Romans twelve two. I remember the first time when I came to the church, you gave me the book, the, uh, how to be in the perfect will of God, and that scripture is basically the basis uh, in chapter one, um, in how to be a perfect will of God, and you spoke to me a lot. Uh, in, in the office when you had called me and you gave me the book. That's what I, like, like the second time I came to the church, you gave the book to me. So the Holy Spirit brought that back and um, he showed me that from since then, you, you had something to do with my life. And um, I will always think of you as the only Jesus that I may see. Because I believe that God... You're sleeping, right? I believe that... that, that, that when I saw her, Sister Zell was talking. She, was, she wasn't... Uh, that's why I was asking for her. I believe that God takes people good places. And Bishop, if it wasn't for you, I don't think my life would have gone down a certain path. It's a real thing. It's okay. Many people don't realize that. People... people hate me for making them pastors and, and she's not even a pastor lift up your hands I want to pray for those who want to make a decision to give up on certain things for the sake of power let me tell you the devil has been playing with you because you are too weak you don't want to give it up you don't want to put it aside. You don't want to say bye-bye to it. And the devil is playing with you. That's how you've not been seeing a lot of things happening in your life. I want to pray for those people. Yes, Adam. For to will is present with me. Your weakness is because the challenge, the problem is because you are weak. And your weakness is because you don't want to use the will that is present with you to get rid of the problem. You don't want to sacrifice. It's not even a sacrifice. It's something you need to get rid of. The power of God will be granted to you. That challenge, that problem is unnecessary. It's unnecessary. 
you have too much power for that thing to be having such impact on you. Lift up those hands. Father, I stretch forth my hand over these lives. Let your power be made manifest as they walk in obedience. Deliverance, 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 deliverance. Help, oh God. The Lord wants to give you power to fix that issue. Receive it now. In the name of Jesus.